It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy, best part of last week? I think it was Saturday when we went out and done the Oh, my gosh. We needed to, um, we needed to do the video that because no one will believe us how hard it rained. Like poured. Yes. In Texas, we call those gully washers <laughs> because, like, you can't even oh my gosh. flip and drive. Well, and, and my car's so little, little yeah. hydroplating all over the place, white knuckles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was such an, <laughs> such an adventure. But yeah, I want to just give a quick <laughs> shout out to this Michelle's Love. The nonprofit that we went. Yes, I'm so excited that you found them. So it started um, in honor of Michelle Singleton, who lost her battle to breast cancer in 2005. Andy was her best friend since like childhood. Wanted to honor her, uh, honor her friend. So Andy co-founded Michelle's Love in Phoenix, Arizona, and then after five years moved it up here to Portland, Oregon. So this nonprofit helps relieve the stress of single parents undergoing, you know, cancer treatment. They provide financial relief, house cleaning, meals that we brought out mm-hmm. to help patients heal and help them to get to spend more time with their children. Um, this nonprofit is run on donations 100%. Beaverton uh, Dream Diners gives them a 25% discount on those meals. Oh, good. I good, guess good. the owner of that is on the board mm-hmm. of uh, Michelle's Love. This nonprofit. Yeah, this nonprofit. Um, they also get help from Buffalo Gap Saloon. They oh. host some fundraisers mm. there that go, the proceeds go to Michelle's Love, mm-hmm. and they adopt a family every year oh, for Christmas, very which is cool. really cool. And then the other partner is TYR, Inc. The owners there cover the operating uh, expenses, so all donations go right back right to the, to the, ladies, to that the are... ladies. So I just... I didn't realize that it was um, single women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was... That was was like one of the best parts of my last week too. So I'm right there with you. That was fun. I'm glad you found them. We'll have to do... We'll do that again. Yeah, definitely. We've talked a lot on our runs about the divisiveness in our country and our Mm -hmm. communities today. So I heard about a really cool project that aims at changing that. It... Have you heard of Ken Burns? I haven't. I haven't either, I, but okay. And that's so right. he's this prolific documentarian. He has done documentaries for the last four years, like Lewis and Clark, oh, okay. Statue of Liberty, Mark Twain, just to name a few. He's got a huge list. I mean, he's teaming up with his dear friend, Marty Stewart, who's an uh, American country and bluegrass singer and songwriter. Mm-hmm. Their new project is what's caught my eye. It's called Honor Your Hometown Campaign. And I love that he wants people across the country, all walks of life, famous people, movie stars, musicians, politicians, to everyday folks, to upload a video about what they love about their hometown. I feel like we're going to do this. (laughs) As, As he says, there is so much more that connects us instead of divides us. And they, he poses this question, why is there not a national holiday for celebrating our hometowns? Mm-hmm. After all, there's holidays for Taco Day, Hampton Day, <laughs> and our very favorite, Checklist Day. <laughs> which was last week. Which was last week, which we both love. But um, the idea of this came from Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. Uh, Garth said, let's focus on the things that tie us, not the things that yeah, divide us. I love that. Which I, I love. love that. And, uh, and Trisha added... 
the whole hometown mentality is something we need to carry this on. And it's important. It's important to note this is a nonpartisan, mm-hmm. no political, yep. Yep. and it's volunteer led. Truly, it has a powerful pur- purpose. And best of all, there's no them. It's just us. Us. Yeah, I and, love this. Love this. Yeah. So getting involved in this campaign is easy. Just a one to two minute video telling you know Ken Burns about <laughs> your hometown, then upload it to you know all the social media platforms. Hashtag it as mm-hmm. hash. Hashtag honor your hometown. If you visit the campaign's website, you'll see entries that they've already received, like Marty and Ken's, mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, oh, Colin Powell. Oh. Now, Colin Powell made the first, very first video tribute, and his is not a town, but honor his street, Kelly Street in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about having this really diverse um, racially and religious neighborhood mm-hmm. and how rich that was. And I'm sure I was reading that he had ABBA at his memorial oh, wow. because he was a huge ABBA, ABBA fan. fan. He had Dancing oh, Queen. Oh, I love ABBA. I know. So we need to we, we need to, to look yeah. into Colin Powell. So, um, and then you're gonna love Dolly Parton saying "My Tennessee Mountain Home" Aww. for her video. But this project's really taken off, and I don't know why. I love the chefs. But <laughs> there's a chef on there, uh, Robert St. John. He tells an incredible story about this Coney Island Cafe. It's a hot dog stand the turn restaurant in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It was started by a Greek immigrant family, the Fokakis. They've been serving this community, I know, curly fries, Coney Island style hot dogs for 98 years. Oh my gosh. I know, for a long time. Yeah. And he talks about how this restaurant, you know, restaurants in general just have a soul of the community. Zach was telling, my oldest was yeah. telling me about this place in Beaverton that the owner previously was homeless and now he has this restaurant. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's going to go, get me the information. So go, when we upload our video, let's go check this to, out. Yeah, um, we'll have to go. Ken, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to go there. This'll, but yeah, I think that's so true that they kind of the, the restaurants kind of define mm-hmm, the community. Mm-hmm. There's also a video there from the Statue of Liberty um, Ellis Island Foundation and how Ellis Island tells how donations from you know everywhere, every town in America, and how that built and maintained one of the greatest you know. This mm-hmm. national treasure. So yeah. that's really cool. And there's just a whole m- bunch more. It's I just love this country-wide community yeah. spirit. It really is the essence of our country was mm-hmm. built on strong yeah. communities. And so do you want to do a video with Ah, me? yes, 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 yes. So Colin Kaepernick is a name every household knows. And obviously there are ideas and opinions around him very greatly. Right, right. I, he's got a show out. I yes. Yeah. I I mean I need to look at I so saw it I, highlighted on my favorite. Today, <laughs> I did not I've not looked at it, but yeah. But few people would recognize the name Nate Boyer. And I think everyone should know about both of these guys. Although I'm, I'm not quite sure my mom knows about Colin Kaepernick, so I just want to give a quick recap <laughs> just to make sure because I know she listens. He was a quarterback for the 49ers who opted to sit on the bench during the national anthem as a protest against police brutality. I read a piece years ago on Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, and the story just broke my heart about how he grew up not feeling like he really belonged with oh, the black community yeah. or the white community because... Colin had a white mother, black father. They gave him up for adoption, and he was adopted by Rick and Teresa Kaepernick. They were, you know, super excited to adopt this perfect baby. They had lost two babies to congenital heart failure, and so they had Colin. Then he grew up 
he had two white siblings. So he has these two white parents, two white siblings, and he just never felt like he fit in. He wasn't black enough to be considered and accepted, you know, to be accepted by the black community, but he also wasn't white enough to be considered white either. So he always felt in between. He never felt like he fit in. And I just, I, that article just still, I feel it now. It, just talked about family trips that they'd go on. They'd be at hotels or um, at the mall and people would, you know, employees would ask him, can we help you? Like he didn't belong there. And like, they didn't believe him that, that those were his parents because they were white. And why do we have to be so judged? I know. So it just, it broke my heart after reading that. So it, it definitely made me sympathize with Colin Kaepernick. But if Colin Kaepernick felt that pain growing up, and right. he had a very loving family. Yes. I'm assuming they were pretty affluent from just the things I've read. I just can't imagine how others who don't have the same opportunities right. must feel. But talk about a tangent, living up to our name. Yeah, with, there we go. Because <laughs> most of us wouldn't know the name Nate Boyer without Colin Kaepernick. I I knew very little about this guy, and by very little, I'm even stretching it right there. I think I told people I he was a Navy SEAL. I don't, I don't know seal. anything about him, so I'm excited so, to learn Good, about, good, good. Know. I knew that he was, and I had told people that he was a Navy SEAL, and he was the one who suggested for Colin Kaepernick to take a knee instead of sitting on the bench for the National Anthem. But the more I've read and yeah. learned about Nate Boyer, the more I just, I love and admire this Renaissance guy. He understands that he will, without a doubt, have trolls criticizing oh, him yeah. and there's his always, efforts. I guess there's always going to be those ugly Absolutely. Folks. So he knows that. Yeah. But he soldiers ahead and he ignores the haters so that he can focus his energy on making this country a place that is worth fighting for. Right. So he. We need that. We absolutely need that. I think in his words, he said something about he wants to create the greatest good for the most people, oh, which I I love awesome. that too. Nate doesn't agree with everything Colin Kaepernick says or actions he might take, but he's willing to take the time to listen. I think he said something about his interview was like 18 seconds with Colin Kaepernick when he when he was talking to the media after him sitting on the bench. Yeah. He said if people just took the 18 seconds right. to listen to that interview, they might have a different impression of Colin Kaepernick. But he listens to people he's willing to do that and it's something we've kind of lost the ability sadly to do all i think i'm guilty of that too but let me just say i've concluded that nate boyer is the perfect person (laughs) to bring people together with his experience his open mind his generous heart and his can-do attitude i was just going to read so he was approached by um, a lot of people to you know how do you feel about Colin Kaepernick because he was a veteran and he he wouldn't necessarily make comments but he ended up writing an open letter in the army times and this was his letter to Colin Kaepernick so I'm just gonna read that Colin I'm a big fan I've been pulling for you ever since I first saw you play in the 2012 preseason I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area and I've been a diehard 49ers fan as long as I can remember Growing up, I was Joe Montana. I remember Joe Montana for Halloween two years straight. I proudly wore the red and gold for an afternoon when I had a tryout with the 49ers last spring. I ultimately ended up in a training camp with the Seattle Seahawks, but I'll never forget the one day I got to be a 49er. I don't know a lot, but I do know that I catch a lot of flack for expressing my opinions, something you are now very familiar with. I also know you support the military. 
God Bless Our Troops is written on the football that you and former 49er teammate Colt McCoy signed for one of our charities I work with. The uh, football's currently sitting in my parents' house. My dad bid the highest at the charity's auction. Unfortunately, I also know that racism still exists in our country, as it does in every other country on this planet, and I hate that I know that. I hate the third verse in our national anthem, but thankfully we don't sing that verse anymore. I hate that at times I feel guilty for being white. In 2004, I witnessed genocide firsthand in the Darfur region in Sudan. The fact that hate and oppression still exist at that level in our world really hurts me. I met countless young Africans who were enamored with America and the opportunities that exist here. These people would have given anything to experience what I had growing up, even for just one day. I joined the Army upon returning to the U.S. because I believed people like that were worth fighting for. He used um, the Latin term, to free the oppressed, is the Army Special Forces motto, and the reason I wanted to become a Green Beret. I didn't enlist to fight for what we already have here. I did it because I wanted to fight for what those people didn't have there, freedom. I'm in no way political, but I'm proud that we have an African-American president, and I got to serve under him. Overcoming racism at home is a slow process, and we still have a long way to go, but most of us are trying. That's what sets us apart from so many other places. In this country, no matter who you are, where you come from, what color you are, you can try. During college football games, both teams usually wait in the locker room until the national anthem. That always bothered me. Leading the team out of the tunnel while carrying the American flag meant a lot, but I still regretted not being out there to stand for that song. The only time I got to stand on the sideline for the anthem was during my one and only NFL preseason game against the Denver Broncos. As I ran out on the tunnel with the American flag, I could feel myself swelling with pride. And as I stood on the sideline with my hand on my heart and the anthem began, that swelling burst into tears. I thought about how far I'd come and the men I'd fought alongside who didn't make it back. I thought about those overseas who were risking their lives at that very moment. I selfishly thought about what I had sacrificed to get where I was, and while I knew I had little to no chance to making the Seahawks roster as a 34-year-old rookie, I was trying. That moment meant so much more to me than even playing in the game did. And to be honest, if I had noticed my teammates sitting on the bench, it would have really hurt me. I'm not judging you for standing up for what you believe in. It's your inalienable right. What you're doing takes a lot of courage, and I'd be lying if I said I knew what it's like to walk around in your shoes. I've never had to deal with prejudice because of the color of my skin, and for me to say I can relate to what you've gone through is as ignorant as someone who's never been in a combat zone telling me they understand what it's like to go to war. Right. Wow. Even though my initial reaction to your protest was one of anger... I'm trying to listen to what you're saying and why you're doing it. When I told my mom about this article, she cautioned me that the last thing our country needed right now was more hate. As usual, she's right. There are plenty of people fighting fire with fire, and it's just not helping anyone or anything. So I'm just going to keep listening with an open mind. I look forward to the day you're inspired to once again stand during our national anthem. I'll be standing right there next to you. Keep on trying. So that's so powerful. I I know. 
He got a call from Colin's publicist, and it ended up that he took, like, you know, he flew out there. He took, like, a three-hour Uber to Culver City to meet with Colin Kaepernick. And Colin asked him, what can I do to not offend the people that have have given me the freedoms right. in my country. And right. that's, you know, that's when that conversation started. Exactly. I loved, yeah. I loved that for so many reasons. But back to the Nate Boyer, he's really just a restless spirit with a desire to make a difference in the world. And I think that just describes that alone, him, him yeah. <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. I was right that he was special forces. Um, I was wrong because I thought he was a Navy SEAL, but he's a Green Beret. This guy has done so much more than pen a letter to Colin Kaepernick and serve in the military. He was born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Okay. But raised in Northern California, Pleasanton, to be exact. I Yeah, that's kind of... He went to a Christian high school and said that he just wanted to get out. It was too protected, too safe. At 18, he moved to San Diego, went to Mesa Community College for a bit. His dad is like a veterinarian for Golden Gate Fields, truck veterinarian. And his mom, she went to the University of California, Berkeley. She has a doctorate in civil engineering and environmental engineering. So, you know, solid family for sure. But he moves to San Diego. He talked himself into becoming a fishing guide. Sure to make ends meet. Trying to catch, my dad would say that's wrong. You don't catch when you're fishing, but um, Dorado and Yellowtail. Oh, okay. And apparently, he spent, I think they're warm water. Warm water. He spent the first half of the day throwing up. So, fishing guide was probably not his lifelong career, but he also worked at a deli making sandwiches. He also was even in a um, Greyhound bus commercial. Oh, wow. So, he wasn't, it wasn't a speaking role. Okay. But still, he was in a commercial. That's cool. So, this guy's in his early 20s. He's pretty much living out of his 1993 Honda Civic in L.A. He's showering sometimes at the Hollywood YMCA. He's sleeping on his friend's, you know, he's just bouncing from couches. And his friends even called him noodles because <laughs> he ate a lot of ramen. Right. Well, that's what so, you can afford with <laughs> no, that. No, yeah. That was his nickname. So Aww. one day he found himself on the Fernando Valley Freeway just pleading with God wow. for a direction. Wow. He'd read the Motorcycle Diaries by Guevara. He was a medical student who... Oh. Familiar. He, I, I didn't either until this. And I guess there's a movie on this oh. in 2004. But his last break before their final semester of medical school he and a friend traveled from brazil to peru so they were in south america visiting leper colonies and poor villages but this just gave nate boyer his mantra this is where it started to let the world change you and you can change the world which i of course want to print up i love that he read an article in Time Magazine about the genocide in Darfur, and he wanted to follow in the footsteps of, you know, the Motorcycle Diaries right, guys. Right. And so he heads to Chad and talks his way onto a U.N. plane, wow. helping deliver food and medicine along the Sudanese border. He tries to comfort the kids of war, which yeah. had to have just been heartbreaking. Most of them are sick, malnourished, maimed. Many of them are orphaned because right. the dads had been killed and the moms had been raped. In Africa, he became acutely aware of the advantages that he had being a white male, middle-class American. So it just made him very aware of that. He also contracted malaria 
in Africa and was nursed to health at a home in Chad. September 11th made him especially patriotic. He headed to Fort Benning, Georgia for army training. When he started, I guess he couldn't even do 30 push-ups. Oh, wow. So, I mean, if you've seen this guy, he's... He's, you know, cut. Yeah. But he pushed himself. He trained hard to catch up. After 18 months, um, they had an 18-month qualification course. It started with 87 classmates at the oh, end. Oh, gosh. That's a lot of... I know. It's a wow. lot of people trying to get in there. 87 classmates and only 34 of them earned... They were appointed Green Berets. Um, Nate Boyer became a staff sergeant in Special Forces in Iraq. After his first tour as a Green Beret in 2009, he was awarded a Bronze Star for his combat operations. Wow. So. This is, yeah. He's just amazing. Wow. And we're from a generation that, you know, it's definitely you go to college, you you have a job. Yes, marriage, family. Uh, So there's a typical progression, a plan, and that was normal back in the day. Not so much anymore, but Nate, I kind of feel like, blazed this trail before it was even common. Yeah. Exactly. So after his first tour, he decided to walk on to the University of Texas football team. Wow. So picture this. He hasn't played football in his life. He didn't play in high school. And he's trying to start it up, but I think he was 29, and just walk onto a college field and play some football. He had a redshirt year and played a single game in 2011, running onto the field with the American flag. He was approached, so he approaches the coach and he asks him, you know, he tells him that he wants to play. Yeah. Coach Brown replied, you're not good enough, Nate. <laughs> so keep in mind. Wow, I just admire his ability. I know. Just say, just, oh, I'm going to do this. Keep trying. Keep I'm trying. Gonna, keep yeah. trying. Exactly. So you have to keep in mind that the Texas Longhorns, they're known for their oh, football. Yeah. It's a big thing down there. They just won a championship, and Coach Brown was brutally honest with him. He's like, "Nate, you're yeah, five foot them horns. I just know <laughs> exactly. that from my Texas yeah. soiree. Exactly. There, but yeah. Um, in fact, one of his shows where he goes over um, football down. Wait, yeah. I'll get to that. But when he All goes right. over the football down in Texas, it's a big it's thing big, down there. Yeah. yeah. So Coach Brown is just brutally honest. He reminds him, "You're five foot eleven. You're 185 right. pounds. You have short arms and you've never snapped in your life. Why do you think you can, you know, yeah. play football? So that summer, Nate was deployed to Greece and he spent all of his downtime teaching himself oh, how man. to snap with oh YouTube videos. Wow. And a dusty ball. He returned back to Austin in 2012 with accurate and fast snaps. Wow. So he spent the summer of 2013 in Afghanistan and, um, you know, lived through some pretty horrific experiences. And he just kept telling himself that he had to stay alive to get back for football. Oh, wow. A good so, thing to kind of motivate. Exactly. Exactly. A, something, exactly. a something, dream, a dream, you know. It had turned into a reason for him to stay alive. Yeah. So instead of just a pastime, he had a reason to get back to the States. So Coach Brown would later say that in that time frame, if you had to name five of the most popular Texas players, Nate Boyer would be one of them, which I think is, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Not too shabby for a guy who just walked on the field and that's just decided pretty, to play some football. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, he also met Fox analyst Jay Glazer in 2015. And I love that Glazer looked, and I'm probably mispronouncing yeah, his name. I- I but he looked past that Nate had some gray hairs in his uh, beard and and instead just saw all sorts of Captain America in oh. front of him. Glazer noted that Boyer was confident yet humble. 
which I think that's a great huge, yes, yes, compliment in my book for sure. Against the odds, he signed up as a free agent with the Seattle Seahawks. He was the oldest rookie, like I said before, in the NFL um, at 34. That's awesome. He played one game on August 14th, 2015, to a sold-out stadium at Cetrion Link. Though he had a great game. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't list off the plays because I didn't quite understand them. Right, right, But right. he had, it sounds yeah. like he had a great game. But someone was injured during that game, and so they had to shuffle some players around. And in the end, the Seahawks just couldn't afford to keep two snappers on the roster. Okay. So, obviously, uh-huh. the new guys cut. Right. But Glazer and Boyer were able to team up and create a nonprofit for former soldiers and players struggling once their careers ended. Um, so merging vets and players, or MVP, which okay. I think is super That's clever. A fun, clever, yes, twist on. Um, very fun acronym creates an environment where these two groups can come together and support each other in building a life of service and strength with physical fitness and peer to peer support. Um, as their tagline notes. For some, the biggest battle begins after the war or the right. game is over. Yeah. So it's bringing these guys together. I I love that. Um, Nate For Boyer. their next chapter. Exactly. Because yeah. they are going to have a next chapter. Right. What is it? Yeah. Nate Boyer hiked Mount Kilimanjaro with a disabled veteran, uh, wow. Blake Watson, to help 10,000 people gain access to clean water. Cool. Have you ever heard of the Water Boys? I have not. Or not the Water Boys. No. Water Boys. No. I hadn't either. But apparently it was launched in 2015. Chris Long, um, he's a football guy, yeah. um, wanted to build 32 sustainable, you'll love this because it's water related. Water, I love water. <laughs> um, he wanted to build 32 sustainable deep borehole wells, one for wow. each of the teams in the NFL. Oh, that's cool. They had enough support to meet that goal in by February of 2018, that's which awesome. I think is pretty impressive in itself. So they partnered with WorldServe International to help more than 438,000 people gain water. Also in 2018, they expanded it to the NBA and they oh, launched very cool. Hoops 2.0, which wow. is very clever yeah. itself. Um, all this just happened when Chris Long was sitting in a bar celebrating his climb up Mount Kilimanjaro, Africa's tallest peak, when Joe Buck and Doug Pitt, who I guess Pitt is Brad Pitt's brother, oh, wow. he was a goodwill ambassador to Tanzania, and they were, um, and Buck had just come along to help him out. So these guys are just sitting in the bar. Wow. How random, and that's though. where they collaborated all this, that's and that's so awesome. Crazy. I yeah. Just that they, you know. They're celebrating their, right. their climb, and so they came up with this idea. I just love it. So cool. I love his restless spirit to do more, to be more, right. to make an impact. But quite honestly, my favorite thing I found on Nate is this show on the NFL Network. Oh. It's funny because when I've talked about this during classes, fitness classes, yeah. people seem super excited to watch the show. They'll yeah. ask me about it. And then when I say it's on the NFL Network, like, what? The, yeah. They're like, they're not interested anymore. But I totally think kids should watch this, watch this in school. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's that good. Nate travels to different football towns and gives a feel of the town, the foods, cool. a little of the history, yeah. and of course, the football. Yeah. More importantly, he brings different people to the table. After watching the Wisconsin episode, I'm a big Green Bay Aww. Packer fan. Well, they're in the news right now with yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So, but more so, I'm a Vince Lombardi fan. I remember proofing a paper Aww. in college for a friend, and it was on Vince Lombardi. Aww. It had all sorts of football stats yeah. and stuff. 
but it didn't get to the heart of Vince Lombardi. I was not inspired at all after reading the paper, but after just watching a few minutes of the show Indivisible with uh, the Green Bay Packers discussing the legendary coach, I seriously, we need to do a deep dive on Vince Lombardi. I'm totally inspired by him. The beauty of the show is that it brings people with different ideals, different opinions together, and they talk about how they came up with those, you know, how they, how, how they came up with how they, they feel. Everyone's calm, they're respectful, oh, and it's great. a safe place to discuss ideas. Yeah. He visits Harlem and they talk about soul food, which Yay. so reminded yeah. me when Amy talked about Marcus Samuelson yeah. in episode five. Food brings people together for sure, and you can see bits of that in the show. When they visited New Orleans, one of the restaurants um, said they were changing the world with gumbo, which I love. So use what you're good at and spread some good out there. But not all the topics are as easygoing. There are episodes with this guys that that clearly disagree with his suggestion and his support of Colin Kaepernick. He notes time and time again that it isn't so much that he agrees with everything that Kaepernick's done, but he feels it's imperative that we at least take the time to listen to where he's coming from before we place judgment. I think that's so true. Absolutely. That's what I admire about him. He's like, come on, guys, let's at least listen to him and then have a rebuttal. But it's fun to see these retired football players doing things in their communities, things we don't hear about. And I don't understand that. Yeah, for sure. There was an episode in Chicago where a former player, Charles Peanut, I guess was the name he went by, Tillman, tagged along in a police car and got a firsthand look at how seeing what police officers are facing. They pull into the schoolyard on a weekend and the kids start running. They're racing away. They're shouting stuff at the, at the cops. And clearly the football player is used to kids running up to him for a selfie and autographs. And he's definitely surprised with this treatment. Weirdly, even when he hollers that, you know, he used to play for the bears. Yeah. He's like, exactly. He, they still didn't want anything to do with wow. him. And I think likely it's because he was still with the police officers. Right. So they saw that right. as betrayal, right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Once again, it was an us versus yeah. them type of thing. Right. So Amy also talked about Eleanor Roosevelt in episode 15, which I was reminded of when um, there's a quote in this oh. Southside Chicago high school that said, it isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. So there's a guy, um, Troy, their head coach, Troy McAllister. He had a tough go with the kids trying to just get the football team, the program even going. His first year coaching the Wildcats, he had a hard time getting enough, even 12 kids wow. to play. Okay. According to the show, it, it noted that Chicago has like 100,000 known gang members. Wow. So this is a That's dangerous, a dangerous yeah. area. So he barely gets 12 kids to play his first year. Fast forward to today, yeah. and I guess he has 45 freshmen trying out. Wow. He's found that the kids, they want to belong. Right. You know, they see that this guy cares about them, yeah. and it's great to be part of a team. Right. Some community. Exactly. Let me just say, I want to do a deep dive on um, Vince Lombardi and then Troy, Troy. McAllister. <laughs> exactly. They have been state champions three times. Even more impressive, he has a 100% graduation rate for the last wow. six years, wow. which is... That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. 
They go to Los Angeles and they show these cops playing football with at-risk kids on their time off. You can see the genuine care these guys, I'm saying guys because they were all guys on this clip, that they have for these, you know, the boys they're playing with. They keep track of them. They get to know them personally. And they're definitely touching lives. When, When they're not there, they follow up. Yeah. They they care about them. I just don't understand why this isn't, like, plastered all over yeah. social media. He talks with veterans who are also struggling. One of the guys he chatted with commented that he had lost eight guys in Iraq, two guys in Afghanistan, and Aww. 42 guys to suicide. Sobering, I mean, for sure. Yeah. And we need to do something about that. I could go on and on about the show, but you just have to watch it. Yeah, I gotta check that out. They're short, so you can, I mean, they're like, yeah, they're like half an hour episodes, but I really encourage people to think, they encourage people to think, and maybe more importantly, to listen. Exactly! I've learned something (laughs) for sure, but definitely. He loves this diverse country, and I feel like he's onto something. Yeah. Of course, he's had his share of aches and pains. He's not Im- immortal. He's got scars inside and out. He's got Aww. a stiff neck, back. His ankle flares up. He's got tinnitus in both ears and some post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder that has him, um, have, he has problems sleeping at times. So he's still paying the price serving his country, right. I feel. But I hope more people will listen to Nate Boyer and do what they need to do to make this country worth the sacrifices men and women have paid. I love that he told Colin Kaepernick that he wants to see him proud enough of this country to stand with his hand over his heart for the national anthem. Got a long way to go, but Nate's path is solid. For sure. And I just, I hope more people take it. People change. Have to believe in the possibility of that. Otherwise... What the hell are we fighting for? Nate Boyer. So I found this woman in the UK who is my new <laughs> role model and inspiration for yeah. sure. A woman in her community needed a rug. It just spread organically into this organization. In November 2013, she started a little Facebook page as a way to get her friends and family to help people in need. It reminds oh. me of... The genius sign-up that you're oh, yeah, helping yeah. us do to for holiday stuff this year. but And then the foster kids yeah. before. So same type of thing. But anyway, she signs up. She does this Facebook group. 18 months later, her little pet project has 4,000 followers. Wow, that's awesome. So I just love this concept because it's so simple. Yeah. And I want to come. I, we need to come up with a way to do this right, in the right. States. Seriously. 52 Lives shares 52 stories a year with people who are nominated so that people can help them. So she'll post the stories and then people help with whatever the need is. So allowing strangers to spread some good in the world and create this kind kindness family, basically, is what it is. So you got to go to talentedladiesclub.com and you'll find Jamie Thurston. If you click on the video that's included um, in that show, you'll watch this UK show called Surprise, Surprise. Aww. And grab a tissue Aww. before you watch the I clip. I like the name. It's very, I know. It's, yeah, it's fun. fun. Yeah. But anyway, the host shares clips of interviews with families touched by Jamie's program, the 52 oh. Lives program. And she even brought some families to the studio, including the first young lady she helped. So, surprise, surprise, not only shared the clips, but they also brought famous um, celebrities, like they did interviews, so that they could help spread the word throughout the year. 
So including Harry and Meghan, they must be 52 live supporters. Um, Truthfully, those are the only two people on the list, you know, as she was going through things that I recognized. But yeah, Harry and Meghan pushed it. The show had um, some big giveaways like toys, carpeting, essential groceries, all donated by big companies. And when they told her, you know, basically won these prices, Jamie already knew who they would go to. I mean, that's how much she cares about the needs of the right. people that um, that people are sharing with her. This woman's heart is just huge. Uh-huh. So request number eight came in August of 2013. This was on the show for an eight-year-old girl who had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. She loved to sing and dance, and 52 Lives was able to get her tickets to the theater for a performance of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Aww. Someone sent her a party dress, and... So her parents have priceless memories of her twirling in this dress and um, just sweet memories of their little girl before, you know, good times before she passed. Jamie got to meet the first person she helped on the show. Keep in mind, she does this all online. So she doesn't actually, like, she sees her faces online, but she doesn't get to see see them. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So this young woman was in foster care. She was 16 years old, a mom. So uh-huh. she had a little one. Yeah. She was trying to get through school, and she really needed a laptop. So 52 Lives got her a laptop. She finished school, went on to university. Oh. So that one act of kindness right. literally changed, changed it. Yeah, the tra- changed trajectory yeah. of her life, period. So... There was a young lady going to chemo, and her family wanted to redecorate her. I shouldn't say lady. She was a little girl. Wanted to redecorate her room. When she got back from the chemo section, Aww. she had this whimsical new bedroom Aww. that she loved, and it could take her mind off cancer for yeah. a minute or two. On their website, they said, Over the years, we've helped with a huge variety of things, from helping a homeless mother and a son get them into a flat, building a sensory garden for a boy in Wales, buying carpet and furniture for women and children refugee camps, sending cards and kind messages to children being bullied, covering bills and grocery costs for families with seriously ill children. So there are, I mean, it's simple things. A wide range. Yes, but people coming together. In 2016, she won the Clarence Woman of the Year, and she used the money that she won to launch a school of kindness. They work with thousands of children each year to run free kindness workshops in primary schools, aiming to empower children to get them to realize that the little choices in life make a difference, have the power to change the world. They also have a kindness fund, which provides small grants to kids with amazing ideas to spread kindness in their schools. Oh, I love, I like that, she, that that's kind of like been adapted to, you know, children's Kids, schools. yes, yeah. yeah. So they're learning kind of from this too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But what I love so much about this is just the simplicity. It's all about community, bringing people together to make an impact. All the donations go directly to those in need and the lives they change are all nominated by, you know, fellow people. Right. They obviously go through and make sure that they're legit. But if you want to feel good about the world, go check out their website. Because okay, you can, like, there's a number and it just clicks on, you know, what they did for that. Yeah. Each story in itself is is pretty simple and basic. Yeah. But you stream those all together and it's pretty freaking amazing. Right, right. The impact that they've made. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also on their um, website, they have this Margaret Mead quote. 
that I absolutely Aww. love, and it, it sums up their whole organization. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So I'd love for people to go check it out. Send yeah. us ideas, um, us oh, ideas to I replicate this in awesome. the States because I think, you know, we need more of this yeah, all definitely. over. So 52 Lives, go check it out. Our favorite part, getting <laughs> to know each other. So with Thanksgiving coming, what's your favorite part of um, a traditional Thanksgiving dinner? I have to say the stuffing. Oh, yeah. I feel good. really guilty after you said Brussels sprouts because I feel like a... Well, yeah, but... No, I mean, I love the <laughs> stuffing, too, but... Yeah. Stuffing. Yeah. Definitely. With mashed potatoes, but stuffing. But stuffing. stuffing. Mm-hmm. Do you mix? Or do you keep them separate? Um, no, I would have a little stuffing with some mashed potatoes, but in general, no. no I keep they're the only two that all party. of my... Yes, okay. All of my food is separate. If you could get rid of any Thanksgiving food, what would it be? That green bean casserole thing oh, that people yeah. make because green beans are delicious. But just no, kind of like just kind of like broil them or right. put them in a pan or with that other stuff. Yeah, with the soup and the cream mushroom. Or yeah, and the there. onions or something on there. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. it makes onions. it not good for you when it's actually something right. very good for it could you. Be a so really yeah, good one. that would be my one thing. Um, and what, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> Which What's your favorite Thanksgiving memory? Years ago, out in. Sherwood, we did like a turkey drop. With... I did that one oh, years, years ago with oh, the kids. Funny. The kids were little. I mean, yeah. Were, so were, were mine. Mine were like kindergarten, first grade, and Ellie was a baby. Okay. Mine were a little older, yeah. so they probably were grumbling a little bit more than right. yours. But um, yeah, that was just very fun because we did the turkey trot out there and then you I ran home. Out there and get yeah. The yeah. And then they had the, yeah, yeah. it was, it was that fun. Was cute. Yeah. Was Good fun. memories. Any famous person that you would like to invite to dinner? You know, or or anybody. I think my family would totally be fine with me inviting Lucille Ball. (laughs) Because I think she was brilliant. I think she, um, there is a, I I found in people that let's talk to Lucy. So I've been listening to, they say she's the original podcaster because she did like a radio show. And it's just been so fun listening to Lucy. So I don't get to invite her to Thanksgiving, but I think she would be, she'd she'd probably be the person I'd invite. Yeah. She would be funny and also informative. I guess she wasn't allowed to ski. She had a contract that she, they said she couldn't ski because they didn't want her to break a leg or something else. It's just interesting Interesting stuff that, yeah, that I've always admired her a ton. So I'd love to just like pick her brain. So, yeah, Lucy Ball. Empower yourselves with good education. Then get out there and use that education to build a country worthy of your boundless promise. Michelle Obama. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.